Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 211. We're going to call this one diversity or wokeness or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek today. Yay. So you can see how this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> with me today is Matt, and I'm Chris. Hello. And uh, let's start off with the now that last Thursday was the season finale of season four of uh, Discovery, or as Matt refers to it as Star Trek Diversity. And I'm going to start it off with this statement. I don't know that I am ever going to watch another episode of Discovery after the this last season and the season prior to it being so terrible. It has not been a good show since season two, and I think the reason it was a good show in season two is because of Pike and the crew of the Enterprise, which makes Strange New Worlds the one to watch. Yeah. And you made a, an interesting comment the other day when we were texting back and forth, and that is, there's so much Trek now Yeah. that bad Trek is, be, is no longer better than no Trek. Correct. And I totally agree with that statement. It is time, in, in my opinion, it is time for Discovery to end. It, it served its purpose. Um, there's better Trek on that Paramount is creating, and Discovery is certainly not it. But here's my fear. You get rid of Discovery, then they move all that crap into some other show. <laughs> or they create a new show that's Discovery Part 2. Yeah. Yeah, where they do the same, the same, they make the same mistakes over again and double down on it because. Clearly, you just aren't smart enough to get it. Well, he, he, there's just so many things wrong with the show. So, one, let's talk with... We have now had two se seasons of extremely bad writing, but with concepts that could have been so good. So, the way they resolved the burn in season three... Was deplorable. Was horrible. And, and you know, the other problem is, is they did season three like they did season one in, in a respect. And that is, they had two perfectly good seasonal story arcs that they decided to do simultaneously and then not do either of them justice. So you had the burn as one seasonal story arc, which should have been season three. And it should not have been a crybaby Kelpian who caused the burn and then, because they made him happy, the burn ended and they found a whole bunch of dilithium. Really bad resolution. The Osira story should have been its own arc they could have kept the the fact that 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 the uh the orion andorian syndicate um uh, i forget what they're called the emerald chain the emerald chain uh introduced them in season three but season four should have been dealing with the fallout now that we you know we've solved the problem that the burn caused or whatever uh it, they and they really should have still had some residual effects of the the burn and the whole, and then dealing with Emerald Chain and the fact that they're trying to steal dilithium still, uh, they, they, they control a whole bunch of planets and, you know, make them a, a they, they, in reality, even though they were kind of a criminal organization, they were a, a large galactic government that should have been somebody who the Federation was negotiating with. That's what I would have done in season four. Season five... I love or season four. I loved the idea of species ten C, and that they did not realize that humans and and other races were sentient. 
So they were mining and didn't realize that they were destroying the habitats and killing sentient creatures. That's a great idea. There's season five right there. Season six could have been getting everybody back into the Federation and all this. And that, and, and even that, that could have been like the subplot behind seasons, you know, three, four, and five. And then the fact that one, in a, a disgusting portrayal, uh, a, a portrayal, betrayal of the fans of Star Trek, they bring in Stacey Abrams to be the president of Earth. She, and, and I really don't have a problem with her being the president of Earth, um, but it was so transparent, or it wasn't transparent, it was so idiotic how they did it. She, 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 I love how the end of it, of that episode of the season finale, she asked Burnham, can, can I have a word with you, Commander? And they don't say anything. They yeah. kind of nod and wink at each other. And the other thing that I thought was strange, for a show that wants to show diversity, the president of Earth had the least diverse group of Earthlings with her. You know? Where were the Hispanics? Where were the Orientals? Where were the whites? <laughs> but I, I guess the, the, the president of the Federation must have, because she's a... a you know, a Cardassian Bajoran human must have represented all of that for Earth. I, I just don't get it. It, it. No, there's not a. I have two problems with this last season. One, there isn't anyone I can identify with on this show. There's no single white male anywhere. Not in the background. Not in the foreground. Not anyone with it that has a eye, sir. Hailing frequencies open, nothing. Nowhere. Which is fine. I, like I said, I'm, I'm happy with just a token character that I can say, oh, there I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to suspend the, the have a suspension of belief or a suspension of reality that brings you into the show when there are people. I mean, think about it. The point behind this uh, of, of bringing in all these crazy characters that, that I, represent a very significantly small fraction of a fraction of, of the population was so that, oh, there I am. But you can't do that if the bulk of the, the population doesn't. can't do the same. No. You just, it doesn't work. Part two, they didn't learn from Enterprise. Correct. The whole point behind Enterprise was to get to the founding of the Federation. They wrapped all that up in less than one season. The Federation's back already. Yeah. Well, yeah, Federation's back. Starfleet headquarters is now back in Earth orbit. I mean, you, you know, and, and th that was the dumbest part of the, the Stacey Abrams thing is they're on the turbo lift and she turns to the president of the Federation. She goes, let me tell you now, we're not thinking about it. There's no need to negotiate. We're, we, we're in, you know. Here, here's my signature on the line. Uh, that's just not realistic. That's J.J. Abrams type trick. <laughs> you know, hey, you're in a, a cadet at the academy and, you know, 12 hours later, you're now the captain of the Federation flagship. That's that kind of thinking. And that's terrible writing. That's not storytelling. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is 
Meanwhile, there, there these guys are, are going to run around patting themselves on the back. Oh, yeah. What a great, great, great season. Well, there season was even an article where uh, they talked about uh, – uh, I'm drawing a blank here. And, but uh, Burnham, the actor who plays Burnham. Uh, Sonequa. Martin Green. Green. Yeah. Um, how she and another person convinced Stacey Abrams to come on and do – and I'm like, but – I, there's nothing wrong with her doing it. I, I, she wants to do it. That's fine. But make make the dialogue meaningful. Make the the portrayal meaningful. It was. It I was, don't like. It was, I, I don't like the 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 the, the nudge and wink. Of exactly. It all like. Oh, we know what what this really means. Yeah. And, and you know we're just sticking it to the man. Yeah. yeah I, I I don't like any of that. Well, and and to your point, I don't even. I don't care if there's a white character that I, you know, even if they're a background character, I, but I, you know, this, it, it all goes back to the suspension of belief that brings you in and draws you into the story. And that's not the suspension of belief. The best two characters in Discovery are Tilly and Vance. Yeah. That whole part where they're on Federation headquarters or uh, Starfleet headquarters and, they think they're going to die because the DNA is going to kill them and they couldn't get off in time. Yeah. That was great. And him sharing the, the whiskey with her and stuff. Tilly, but, you know, early in the season, well, actually in the third season and then early in the second season, I really identified with the book character. You know. <coughs> and then there's that. That's the third thing I have, I have with this season. And I liked the book character until they ruined him. The season four, they just they, they made him this indecisive... Uh, tool. I mean, I I can't describe it in any other way, you know. And Tarka could have been such a, a even if he wasn't a villain villain per se, he could have been so much more powerful in the what he did. So here's my problem with book. They build up this fantastic relationship. For once, uh, the, the captain of the ship is going to actually have to deal with a human interaction that, yeah. like, matters. They build it up. They build it up. You know, this woman's been crying about, oh, I broke a nail. I better cry about it for 15 minutes. Finally, she gets something to cry about that matters, and they bring him back to life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, that, well, you know, that, that goes to the, the old Star Trek trope of, even yeah. if you're dead, you're not dead in Star Trek. <laughs> but you're right. Book's character... He would have been much better off... Dead. Dead. Yep. He would have He would have had a much greater impact. Well, it would have made Burnham a much more interesting character. Because now there's this whole... You know, she had this relationship. And, and you know, you could have used it that she blames herself for what happened. Or... You know, or she blames the 10C for what happened. Um, but, the, the, but again, it goes back to this lazy writing where at the end of the season, and, and, you know, at the end of the first season when they wrapped it all up in a bow, you know, they, they restored Burnham's rank, and, you know, she was now a, a full, you know, she was no longer war criminal, and they promoted everybody up and all this stuff. and But that was because they thought we're one and done. They did. Yeah. No, I I get it. But to do it in the fourth season, knowing that they've already done the fifth season, 
or, or you know, renewed for the fifth season, dude, it just it, it does not bring me any confidence to even want to watch Discovery. Um, but let, let's talk to some of the other issues that I that I and we've talked about this before that I have with Discovery. They have all of these characters. Again, and, they had they've had opportunities to to separate the wheat from the chaff. Book being one of them because yes. I, I I don't think he's a useful character. He's the Neelix of this this show. Don't need him. Don't want him. Uh, worse, he's Cass. Don't need her. Don't want her. What's the point? Um, Tilly, love her to death, but. She's like, she's the science officer. She's the engineer. I have the same problem with Stamets. I don't know what he does on yeah. the ship other than be the guy that does the spinning thing. You know, I, I, I don't get what he, I don't get what he does. Um, Book served no purpose other than being the captain's dude. Yeah. Well, and I think in the, in and having a really cool shuttlecraft in the, Fourth season, they didn't know what to do with Book. Book made sense for, for season three, but they really should have kind of phased him out. You know, he was a seasonal character. Kirk makes it with a woman, gets back on the ship, and goes on to the next planet. Yeah. Why can't Burnham do that? Ash Tyler, but, Book. But even in some of the more episodic episodes... Uh, you know, which they're in Discovery, we're getting fewer and fewer per season. Um, where they brought back uh, the commander from the Enterprise, the security, and she yeah. worked for Federation Security. Non. Yeah, non. Another great, a, a great character, but she's a recurring character. A and they used her in the proper way. The truth of the matter is, and, and they did, it is kind of funny that. I think they're seeing that they do have too many characters, but they're not being aggressive enough getting rid of them. So they kind of shuffled Tilly off to the side because they're going to do a Starfleet Academy show and Tilly's going to probably be part of that. That's my suspicion. Cause, cause, uh, I've heard that too. I, I, I don't know. But, and then they got rid of Reed. Or was it Reese? Bryce. Bryce. They got rid of Bryce. He stayed with the Starbase when Discovery went off. But they need to get rid of uh, Reese and Hendricks, Henderson, the blonde girl. Um, oh, I had her name and I just lost it. Uh, ah, carry on. Detmer, Awoshikon, they're meaningless characters. They, they've tried to develop them a little bit in, in, you know, in individual episodes, and none of them are likable. There's, there's nothing that makes them endearing to me. And uh, I thought they really could have done a lot with Detmer and Awoshikon. I've, ne I've never heard anyone say my favorite character on this show is Awoshikon or Detmer or any of the other guys. How many times did you say, hey, man, who's your favorite character on the original series? Scotty. Kirk. Spock. Yeah. Sulu. Yeah. Uhura. Chekhov. Kevin O'Reilly. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it didn't have to... 
Janice Rand. Nobody cares Lieutenant about Finney. any of these characters. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. No, Except for the, the 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 one guy who says, "Oh, there I am," and, and that's it. Yeah. One guy. Well, it's because one, there's too many characters to develop, Agreed. even as a secondary. Because what you have to do is you have to give tidbits in multiple episodes in a season about that character. And then that all of a sudden starts to flesh them out. And then you can then start using those tidbits to bring that character, you know, into the show. And, and you, you know, part of the loss of the episodic nature of Star Trek uh, has been the inability for them to develop some of these characters because you can't go since Burnham and Saru have to be in every episode and be the dominant story in every episode. They haven't been able to develop those characters. Now they have, don't get me wrong. They've developed Stamets. They've developed Culver. They've developed Jet Reno. Frankly, just, I'm glad you brought her back up because she's the one character that I've heard someone say, Hey, that's my favorite character on Sean. discovery. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I agree. And he's he's not alone. No, I would I would have to. The only characters I honestly care about in Discovery are Tilly and Vance. Yeah. Jet Reno. Yep. And even though, despite the fact that I despised him in the first two seasons, Saru, I actually like Saru. They they developed the character. He's grown. He's done all. You know, he's doing these things. But let's concentrate on them and not worry about this rest of this cast unless unless you're gonna really do something uh, unless it like contributes to the story Story, that matters that that bit with a woshikon being the the boxer boxer. i what was that i don't know i mean it's not like the fact the fact that she she was gonna she the only thing you learned was that she was so stupid because she was stubborn that she's gonna let let herself get the beach, the shit beat out of her, the beat shit out of her, the <laughs> shit beat out of her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I, I I don't I I don't get it. There's there's nothing endearing about any of these characters. And say what you want about Burnham, I've never I've never understood that character. There's nothing about this character that I like. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always up until it's been a problem. Her backstory has been, been a, problem a problem from the beginning yeah. for me. I have I've early on, the, I just kind of felt the the you mean a sister sister? Yeah, has always been a uh, a problem well, to I've, me. I've always felt that for Spock, I, she, and know, that was the big draw. Yeah, that the, kind of the neutral thing towards Burnham. I you know. I understood why she was there, but she was not my favorite character. I mean, the first season, Lorca, by God, oh yeah, was my favorite character. And then they ruined him. And then they ruined him at the end of the first season. Second season, who who do you think were my favorite characters? Uh, well, he, he, Pike. Well, we share a name. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, also share the love of a couple of activities because in a season they developed the character more than they developed him in every other. Uh, series and several movies yeah. that included Pike. Yeah. Um, I thought Ethan Peck did a great job as Spock. You know. I even like Rebecca Remain, Remain as, as number, number one. one. Yeah, me too. 
And I always I loved uh, oh I can't remember her name but who played Admiral Cornwall? Yeah, yeah. I, she was a, one of my favorite characters. You yeah. know. I will say this about Vance. They have finally broken the mold of Starfleet admirals being incompetent or corrupt. Correct. Correct. Finally, that trope. Well, Cornwall wasn't corrupt. There's questions of whether she was competent. No. But you're right. You're right. Well, the thing I think is strange about Vance is he's the only admiral we've seen. <laughs> I think he's the only admiral there is, yeah. which would be great. Yeah. Dude, you're admiral. <laughs> Everybody else reports to you. <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be the 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 epitome of what should happen to a military organization, a paramilitary organization, where the Federation has been decimated. Yeah. True. Yeah, I mean, they only had, like, what, 12 ships left? Yeah, something like that. Why would you need 14 admirals? Very true. Very true. Well, you also don't have the fact that you had key members who were no longer part of the Federation, so... Why do you, you know, a lot of times admiralty, the generals in admiralty are, are uh, made up because, you, you know, they're almost political favors, going back to our previous podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know, I, I agree with you there. I, I just, I don't get the show. And, you know, and, and I suppose there are people who like it, um, but I can't, I don't know that I can... I've never loved the show. I've loved characters, and I, I I do think the second season was great. I thought not only did they have a a really good set of characters, you know, with Pike and 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 what he, him and Non and and, but they had a good storyline, you know. But here's the thing, man. There's everything that people like about this show is not the cast or crew. No. Or not, not the storylines. Or the storylines. It's always been, I, I dig the Enterprise crew that came and, and filled in for Lorca. Yeah. I can't think of a single thing. Well, the introduction of Vance in the third season was, was worthy of that. Yeah. But again, not... not, not That's not, an incidental piece, you know? He was never meant to be. He was meant to be a non, a recurring character, not a main character. Right. And, uh, but it, it's gone to the point where, you know, I never loved the show. I thought it, but, you know, it was, it was like we started off saying, you know, bad Trek is better than no Trek. But now and, there's enough Trek. But that, now there's enough yeah. Trek that you compare it to and you're like, I don't need to waste my time with this. There's it, it, reasons why they they took the best elements of season two and are building a whole new show, show around it. it. Exactly. It's not because people love Discovery. Nope. You're absolutely right. And, and, and I'm hoping they take this to heart. I, I mean, the only thing that I can... So, you know, in the short treks, they had the... Between season one and season two, they had the episode where um, the book-like character... Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was a book-like character. Yeah. Or a book is like him. Yeah, you know, was rescued by by Zora, 
Actually, you know who I like? I like, I like Zora. Zora. <laughs> so the Discovery herself is maybe the best character in the show. Now that Tilly's gone. Yeah. I mean, I really like Tilly. Tilly I did too. T- Tilly, I did too. Tilly was probably my favorite main cast character, and that's who they chose to get rid of. Out of anybody, I could, oh, there I am. It was Tilly. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I don't. I don't get it. Well, I think Tilly was the first time that they had a Wesley Crusher type character that was likable. That yes, yes, she, she could really... be an, yes, she could be annoying, but she grew, and that was always the problem with Wesley Crusher. Is Wesley Crusher, even when he grew up and he put on a full ensign's uniform and stuff, he was still Wesley, the twelve-year-old Wesley. Yeah, yeah, Tilly grew. You know, she well, she had ambitions. She yeah. had things she wanted to do. Yeah, Wesley was just like, hey, man, I just want to be on the bridge. Yeah. I, I could maybe be a traveler, too. Uh, maybe. Convince me of it. <laughs> you know? And then he decided, well, I don't want to be a traveler, so I'm going to go back to Starfleet Academy. How does that happen? Never, never mind. That, that was just a failure of next gen, anyway. Um, and I don't expect these shows to all be perfect, but I do expect them to end the prima- when, when their usefulness is, is ended. And, and yes, you can go through all the struggles that that Discovery has had with the sh- different showrunners from the beginning. Um, but I frankly think... I, 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 I give them that excuse for having a really disjointed first, first and season. second half of the first season. Yeah. When you have put up an effort as good as that second season was... Yeah, it better those be better. Ex- those excuses are done. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The third season, I will say, okay, that was, all right, well, maybe they just missed. But after that fourth season, no. It, it, the consistency of, of bad writing, bad Frankly, character development. Bad, there's a lot of bad acting in Discovery that shouldn't be there by season four. Well, it's because nobody knows who the hell these people are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Colbert and Stamets, do do, do your thing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I bring in the extended family of gray, gray and, and blue. blue and green and whatever. Yeah. I, I I don't care. I literally don't care about any of these characters. Well, again, I don't think they do either. I don't think they. No, I don't think they do either. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gotten rid of Gray because they didn't know what to do with him, in in the fourth season. Correct. And um, what's the other character's name that Blue Del Barrio plays? I... Her her character. See, I don't even remember her name. Adora. A. Uh, it does start with an A. Yeah. Um, I almost had. But it. but th- yeah, they've had her in these little blips, but you they have not developed the character past what he, little development they did in the third season. Here's my problem with with he she it. Um, it's the Tilly character, but they're doing nothing with it. Exactly. They already had a Tilly, Tilly character, character, and they put her off the show. I struggle with that. Yeah. I do, too. I do, too. And, and so um, let's contrast that to Picard. So second season of Picard, 
I'm going to go back, actually, go back to the first season of Picard. So I thought the first season of Picard was really enjoyable. It was solid effort. Um, great rookie season. Great rookie season. Exactly. Great rookie season. You know, um, we got, you, you get the feels from the, the uh, bringing back Riker and, and Troy and, and Data. Data and Dr. Soong. And, you know, you get Seven and Picard, who are familiar characters. And then they also developed, like, Hugh, um, you know, some some other characters who were, like, season or episodic characters. Um, and brought them back. But they, they tied that, that time from the end of Next Gen slash the Next Gen movies to Picard. And they did a good job kind of telling the story of why certain things happened and everything else. Uh, they had a believable enemy um, and everything. And while I thought the ending of it was kind of weak, I understood it. And the reason I say it was weak is because it wasn't def- uh, there was nothing defined. It was, it was open-ended. But we knew at the, at the time, we knew it was coming to a second season. But it wasn't a bad ending. I, you know, it wasn't the let's tie everything up in a neat bow ending like you got in Discovery the first season. Second season starts. You have no expectation other than we know that Q's coming back. And <clears throat> I thought it was kind of charming how they started off the second season. Picard settled back in on Earth, but he's been reinstated as an admiral and he's commandant of the Academy. Uh, Rios is now captain again. So they start the season off with everything kind of in a, not necessarily in a nice little bow, but the characters move forward in, in a believable arc of what they would do. And then, you know, you have the big Borg incursion and, you know, and the stargazer with Rios and Picard and, and everybody <clears throat> are there. And then we get a great, time travel one of the few times that they've done time travel correctly and it's explained well because it is we're not slingshotting even though they did use that but we're not slingshotting around the sun or um you know we accidentally ran into a a pulsar we didn't see or whatever what's really interesting about that is who directed that episode who directed them leah thompson oh wow I yeah. did not realize that. Yeah. And when I first saw the name, I was like, no, it couldn't be. Leah Thompson. Back to the future, baby. Yeah. But, but all the things, all the tropes were done well and in a believable manner. And then they get to the alternate universe. And the alternate universe is so cool. <laughs> not because what it is, but how it's portrayed and how the characters are having to deal with the fact that Picard is like this major conqueror and uh and there's continuity in the way it's done you know it isn't the federation it's the confederation they he's not captain or admiral Picard he's general Picard and and Rios is a colonel and you know so there are changes in this future that are very believable you know and um and, and yeah, you can tell a little bit as there's some heavy handedness in that. Whereas I think Picard and 
and Rios, their characters in, in the position of what their characters, and even Rafi's character, makes sense because they were Starfleet people. And so if the future changes, it's it's not unlikely that, that they would not be part of the Confederation military. But Seven as president of the Confederation, I, that was definitely a little bit of heavy-handedness to get her you know, into the storyline. But they didn't do it badly. And I like the fact that, you know, she's confused. Because she doesn't even get it. Yeah. You know. And uh, I just, I've thoroughly enjoyed, what, we on the second episode? Was last week? Yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed the first two episodes. And, you know, and, and there's, there is a nod to Star Trek Four. With the whole slingshotting, yeah, the, the ship around the sun to get back to 2024, and that's the other thing I like about it. They didn't go, "Hey, we're going to go back to 2022." No, yeah. they they go, "No, we're going to go to 2024," which is somewhat of a DS9 tie-in with the Jacob Bell yes thing, yeah, which is a Cisco story, which may or may not come into play. And I'm I love the board. Figuring not but. every time they've ever brought the Borg Queen in anything, even in the uh, the Star Trek movies, um, she's been an ominous character, but not that scene of her on the floor crawling towards Gerardi. Oh my God, is worth the price of admission. Mission. Exactly. Well, and I like the fact that the Borg Queen has has character in this this show you know because Picard's asking her what she wants and she goes well the first thing I'd like is to have legs (laughs) (laughs) you know and uh, and I thought that was great and uh, you know I liked the whole mind meld thing uh, with Girardi Girardi and the fact that she she impressed the Borg Queen because she was she stole information from her and stuff like that, you know, while the Borg Queen was trying to assimilate her. And I like that Picard knows that that's, a, that's dangerous. Yes. Yep. And, you know, it, it's just Picard, particularly season two, is everything that the last two seasons of Discovery have not been. It's good Trek. It's good storytelling. There's a great suspension of disbelief. Like, I, I also love the fact <laughs> that when... Um, Rio, Seven, and and uh, Rafi get transported out into different parts of San Francisco. That they one got transported in weird ways, and like you know, Rios is transported thirty feet above the ground, and and everything else. You know, that's good storytelling. Like you know, they don't know exactly what they're doing, and and even though they have all this advanced technology, it's. Because it's not reinforced by all the other, you know, the other things that would have been there in, in the, you know, the 24th century or 25th century. Um, you know, they're, they're making shots in the dark and stuff like that. I mean, even some of the simple stuff, like <clears throat> in the second episode. So spoilers, if you haven't figured it out, there's, if you haven't watched it, tough luck, we're going to talk about it. But where uh, the, the Confederation's president's husband who they never name 
Um, the magistrate. He, yeah, the magistrate. That him and two two security guys beam on board the La Serena, and uh, when they shoot them, they disintegrate them. <laughs> you know, it's not like they stun them or anything. Yeah. Which does it does make me I I you know continuity being a bit, detail and continuity are big things for me because it's it helps with that suspension of this of disbelief. I'm with you. Is when they shot Elnor, why he didn't get disintegrated. <laughs> <clears throat> now I'm glad you brought that up because what I fear is going to happen is. Space Legolas will come back at the end of this, and I don't think he should. Yeah, he's the he's the of the cast, the Picard. most useless character yeah, of of the bunch. Uh, I see no reason to continue with with Eleanor. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I think potentially. They could make him into an interesting character. He, you know, um, but as you're right, as far as usefulness in the storyline, his impact on Rafi is exactly what should have happened with Burnham and Book. Absolutely, and didn't exactly. You know, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, and so, you know, <clears throat> I'm excited. I would watch Discovery, you know, every Thursday morning when I get up. But I would always watch it last. No, see, I watch it first. I watch Raised with Wolves uh, from HBO Max first. (laughs) And then I would watch Picard. And then I would, like, I... Don't want to watch Discovery, but I'm going to watch it because it's Star Trek, and I'm going to. It's a topical conversation on the podcast. I watch Discovery first because I know I'm going to hate it, and I want to look forward to something, and that'll be Picard. Yeah. Which, but I'm excited to you know Thursday. I'm I'm hot to trot to want to watch Picard, and I'm so glad that Discovery's over. I literally (laughs) watched Discovery. The season finale that morning. I had to come into the office, so I didn't get a chance to watch Picard. I spent the entire day like, I cannot wait to go home so I can watch Picard. Yep. And it didn't disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if I'd have done it the other way around, you'd been like, oh, really? Yeah. No, I agree with you. You know, I, I I look forward to watching Picard much more so than than uh, Discovery. And, and I'm I, and I'm somewhat amused by that because when they first said Picard was coming as a show, I was like, really? Yeah, we've been been there, done that. Haven't we? Pretty much done everything. To be but done? you you know what I'm impressed with about Picard as a show? I mean. Because here's the question you always have to ask when you bring back somebody um, who is iconic like Patrick Stewart. But it's 20 years later. I mean, Patrick Stewart, he could go to bed one night and not wake up the next morning and it'd be, it'd be it. Yeah. But the way they've set that show up, 
you could do that show without Patrick Stewart portraying Picard and you could you'd still have a good cast that people like and people want to see the uh... and you know what one of the keys of that that is is the reality of it is is when you include Picard you only have five real characters yeah Picard Rios Seven Rafi and Elnor well Girardi 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 okay six but see, I don't count Elnor. Yeah, uh, Elnor's the throwaway character, and, and, and he's done nothing on this show. Yeah, two seasons of nothing. You're right. You're right. Gerardi, at least, has been a. I mean, she killed Maddox. <laughs> that was kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, she killed Maddox. Uh, which, yeah, uh, she. I. I think she's a. Not a likable character. See, the, on the flip side, I like Gerardi. Like, I like the fact that when she gets nervous, she starts to giggle and laugh. You know people like that. Well, you know? That's kind of the Tilly Yeah, it is. Thing. But, but, but it, I like it. But but I, unlike Tilly, though, Gerardi I, makes all these, these comments that, in, in a way, she has less candor. Or she has absolute candor more so than Elnor. Because <laughs> she says all these things that she's thinking. <laughs> and then she thinks, then after she hears herself say them, she's like, oh, oh I maybe I... shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I... But, you know, I, she's a likable character. I mean, she's becoming more likable. Yeah. I, I agree with you. If you wanted to throw away any of those characters, Elnor is the one you could get rid of and it wouldn't make a difference. Uh, I think. I. I mean, honestly, how do you bring how do you bring Elnor back into this season? Well, you don't. It, it, I, I, if they do it right, they don't bring him back in the season. If they correct time by the end of this season, then you can bring Elnor back in the next season, and maybe you can develop. See, him. I struggle with that because he died. Uh, it's one thing if they or maybe he becomes left him behind. Maybe he becomes the Borg with absolute candor. I'm just saying. Well, you know, and there's some things about... Um, because if, if they bring him back to life, it's like the whole thing never happened. True. To any of these characters, and they'd never remember any of it. That's very true. And I'm telling you, they're going to remember it. Well, I mean, we can only hope they do the right thing, but look at Discovery. <laughs> you know, and, and that being said... I'm looking forward to the continuation of Prodigy. I'm looking forward to next season Lower Decks. I love that show. And I'm, you know, May, we're getting Strange New Worlds. And I think the show's going to be a little different than we we thought it was. It, it, not, not because it's not going to be episodic and it's not going to uh, have the crew, but I think we're going to find out a lot more about Pike mm-hmm. and... Um, and, you know, I've read a lot of articles about it, and we do know that because they're already filming the second season of Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. that they've cast another person to be Kirk. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. And uh, he's going to be in the second season. But, um, and I've watched the trailer a hundred times because it is by far the most exciting Star Trek trailer that's been around in a long time. <clears throat> for a uh, for a, a promo for a show that hasn't aired yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I will agree with you there. 
I can't think of a another trailer for a show that's been as engaging as that. Yeah. But you know, it, you know, one of the things that the trailer is showing, and it's speculation, but that Pike kind of wanted to retire, and they asked him to come back. You know, so that that'll be interesting because that means that there had to be some sort of of reason to bring him back. You know, a catastrophe, a tragedy, uh, something. You know that that only he could resolve. And, you know, a lot of the shows are being based on the fact that in, was it the first or the second season of Discovery, Saru asked the computer to give him the list of the most, Yeah. you know, and so they had Pike and April and Archer and Giorgio and, you know, and, uh, you know, there, there very well could be the fact that, that uh, we're going to see other, others of those captains appear either in, Strange New Worlds. My curiosity around the Kirk bit is they're already billing him as Captain Captain. Kirk. Yeah. Which I struggle with because... Yeah, Enterprise was his first captaincy. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of funny. And he was young at... 32. 30-ish. He was 32. So Inverse has an article about this. And they put they start putting in the timelines and the dates and stuff. Um, <clears throat> because um, when he took over the captaincy of the Enterprise. So the one thing, they and they even mentioned this. They said, you know, for as much as we know about Kirk and how developed a character is, we really don't know that much prior to him taking on the Enterprise when he was 32 years old. Correct. I mean, we, he was posting on the Farragut. We know he was on the Farragut. Uh, they, they, and they, they went through where every reference in classic Trek of where mm-hmm. they, and he was posted somewhere else as. Uh, oh, that, the Kodos thing was. Well, there was Kodos the Executioner. There was the, the Farragut with the, the, uh, creature that killed everybody. Yeah, the, the cloud thing. The cloud creature. And there was one other. And they said, that's all you know about Kirk prior to that. And um, so, and, and you know, they, they roughly know because of Pike's time on the ship and Discovery where <coughs> the timeline all fits in, which is many, many, still many years before Kirk takes over the Enterprise. So, yeah, they're billing Kirk as an, a, a captain, but... Um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I saw the pictures in the article, too, and all this stuff, and I think it's hard to tell if those are really captain stripes or not. <coughs> well, it's they're harder to tell on those uniforms, yes. period. So, <coughs> you know, he may not be a captain. He might be a commander. Um, you know, we do know uh, that uh, although Garavik was killed on the Farragut, the first officer survived because the first officer is the one who put Kirk in for the commendation. Correct. And, um, you know, so we don't know if did Kirk become the first officer or did he get promoted to something else than than the, uh, the phaser cannon operator or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I think it, it's plausible to bring Kirk in. And again, the Strange New Worlds is being billed as, yes, there are going to be seasonal arcs, but they're going to be very loose seasonal arcs and that the show is episodic and you could watch, you know, supposedly watch it out of order just like you could watch 
original trek out of order and not really feel like you've lost anything. And I'm hoping that we get get a little bit of that. I, I like episodic trek. You know, you find an episode that you really like and you can watch it over and over and over again. You yeah, I, I do too. I, I, I kind of feel like I, I'm glad that the, the, the modern shows are only like 10 or 12 episodes because then you feel like, oh, I need to watch them all Yeah. in order to get the whole story versus, you know, classic track. Well, you know, you also got to look at it this way, too. So if you watch an hour show, NCIS is a good example, um, on CBS <clears throat> with commercials that takes an hour time slot, it's actually a 38-minute show. When you watch all these modern shows on Paramount, um, they're actually an hour. And sometimes they're like an hour. And one episode will be an hour and six minutes. One episode will be 51 minutes. One episode will be an hour and 12 minutes. You know, they're, But there's no commercial breaks. So, you know, when you watch the show, you, you kind of have to pay attention to the whole show. Right. And, and that also leads to, so, you know, whereas back in the 60s, yeah, I think, I think the original Trek shows, most of them were around 42 or 43 minutes because they had fewer commercials. But, um, but they were also like 22, 25 episodes long in a season. Yeah. You know, that's why there's so many. It, it's kind of hard to believe when, you know, how many episodes of Star Trek actually aired. But it was only on for three seasons, the original Trek. 69 episodes yeah. over three seasons. Yeah. You know, I mean, Today, you won't even get half that out of most shows. Well, part of that... Even I, shows on regular TV. I think are... Um, or what I'm going to call traditional TV. Actors don't work like that anymore. That's, that's very true as well. I mean, they, they just Well, and, and the pandemic has changed things, too. So, like... Um, but, you know, it was, it was like that before the pandemic. Granted, the pandemic, I think, has kind of uh, well, exacerbated the, that situation. Well, the pandemic but. changed it a little bit. So, you're right. It, before that, actors don't work. They, you know, they, they, they do a lot more quantity of shows during the year. You know, I'll do a season of this, and I'm going to do this movie and that movie... And a stage play in New York that's going to run for 16 weeks. Um, <clears throat> and back then, you know, if you were on a, a series like Star Trek, you were pretty much doing Star Trek for six, nine months of the year. You know, and during hiatus, you could do stage plays or a musical or something, but only if it lined up. Right. Uh, and today, you know, when they write their contracts, it's like, well, I'm doing this musical on Broadway for 20 weeks. And we have a hiatus here, so I can do some filming here, and we got to do the the filming here. And I have a movie that I'm doing, you know. But again, that's 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 also. But the pandemic. What happened to the pandemic that kind of screwed this up is one stage plays went out the window, right? Because you couldn't meet, you couldn't sit in an audience. Uh, but well, you could. Well, you could, but <laughs> the uh, they didn't want you to sit in an audience. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that happened is they started filming things back to back because everybody had to be cleared to work and 
Although in the case of Picard, I think it had less to do with the pandemic and more to do with Patrick Stewart's age. Old. Yeah, guys old. Yeah, but in like this whole concept of strange new worlds, that you know they're they're still, even though they finished filming season one months ago, they continued on with season two, you know, and I don't think they're going to see a hiatus until the break to then go film season three. But now that things have opened back up, you know, stage plays and musicals and other things are opening up. So these actors, you know, this hiatus between two and three is going to be artificially long. This is why I don't necessarily like the casting choices that have been made recently. Yeah. I love Anson Mount as, as Pike. I can't imagine anyone else being that character. Yeah. I mean... But Bruce, Bruce Greenwood, a, he, I like Bruce Greenwood, yeah. but not the same. My point is, Anson Mount is he, one of those actors. He's a stage actor that is going to want to do other things. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pine is an actor who wants to do other things. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Ethan Peck is not an actor that wants to do other things. You know. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Well, I think in the Rebecca case, Romaine yeah, she, wants to do other things. I, I think with the, the unlike J.J. Trek movies, I think the, and, and there's reasons for the, the way these actors are acting around Star Trek movies, but we'll get to that in a second. But I think with the way Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck and, and, the main characters of New Worlds, they've set it up <clears throat> is it's been negotiated to where the way they're going to do things will allow them to do other, you know, this other stuff so that they're more long term. Because also the contracts that they've gotten are, I believe they went back to the seven year contract that, you know, you, they, <clears throat> they optioned them for seven years. So they, you know, they have a contractual obligation if they continue the show, you know, year after year. Um, but I think there's flexibility in that so that they can do other, the actors can do other things. Um, the movie thing has been, they've been so, with the J.J. Trek movies, one, although I find the, the movies enjoyable to watch, I still have big issues with continuity. Um which makes them less enjoyable than like watching, you know, the original cast do their Star Trek movies or, or, Carl or, Urban, the highlight yeah. of those movies wants to do other things. Yes. Well, Chris Pine in, in his own right, he wasn't really a, he was a known actor. He wasn't a star uh, until after, until yeah. after. <clears throat> and that's largely because of Wonder Woman and a whole bunch of other serious yeah. roles. Agreed. And Carl Urban was the only one who was actually a star before he did Star Trek. Right. And and, and, and frankly, I don't really want to see Zoe Saldana or uh, John Cho or John Cho or uh, Siler. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come back and, and portray those roles. I just I don't I I don't and. and God love him. I love Simon Pegg, and Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies, but I do not want Simon Pegg to come back and be Scotty. He's not believable 
in the role. Yeah. You know, and I hope they don't do another Star Trek, JJ Trek, you know, Kelvin timeline movie. I just, they're, unless they up their game and they portray the details and continuity and stuff right and have a good story to boot, it's not worth doing. It's going to be another one of these things that they're going to spend millions of dollars. And they're going to spend millions of dollars in advertising yeah. to do something that is going to underwhelm everybody and not make the money that they anticipated making. And there's no reason to do the movie because you have all this trek on Paramount+. Plus. Plus, I worry about overexposure of the brand. Yes, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love now having a choice in which Star Trek I watch and which ones I don't care about. But at some point, it will dilute the brand enough that none of these shows will make enough to warrant what it would cost to do them right. Yeah. Well, you know, years and years and years ago, when we used to do the Star Trek convention and, and Star Trek fan club scene, I mean, 30 years ago. <laughs> One of the older guys, and when I say older, I was like in my late teens, early 20s. And he was in his early 30s, and he was married, and he had just had a kid. And that's when Next Gen, and we were kind of in the middle of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine and you know, Voyager, I hadn't think it started, but they'd already talked about it. And he said, you know, we were talking and he goes, you know, in one respect, it's a terrible time for Star Trek. And he's, and I go, I'm like looking at him, and, you know, without the wisdom of, of age, right. I'm looking at him and I'm going, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, Star Trek fandom was so much stronger when we were waiting four and five years in between movies. Yeah. You know, fans... That there was this anticipation and fans were doing things and you had fans doing fan fiction and, and um, <clears throat> you know uh, and so it was much stronger the fan base was much stronger for Trek um, and I think that's true of all of these brands whether it's Harry Potter or Star Wars or Star Trek or you know NCIS for that matter um they find a the the one thing I like, and this is a good example. NCIS is a formulaic show, and it's also another Paramount show. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know you can look at Hawaii. It's a formulaic show, and they take the formula and they go, "We're going to do this formula in Hawaii, or we're going to do it in Australia is the new one, yeah. or we're going to do it, you know, X, Y, and Z." But essentially, it's the same show, right? You know, and. Star Trek, luckily, although there is a formula to it, as in these shows are about Starfleet, and so there's a structure and things that we, we lay on it, has not been formulaic from the point of the, the stories, for the most part. I mean, you, you get where they tie to each other, or there's an homage like, you know, the Star Trek IV, let's slingshot around the sun, <clears throat> and, and Picard type thing but the stories for the most part uh, 
are separate stories. Whereas like if I go to NCIS and I go to NCIS Hawaii, you know, a sailor was killed doing X, Y, and Z. There's only so many reasons a sailor can get killed. He was, he stumbled on a drug deal going on. You can find that same episode in the 25 seasons of NCIS, you know, um, you know, the, the locations change and the names of the agents change, but the, the storylines are the same. I don't want to see that happen to Trek, which it very well could happen. And, and like you said, if, you know, if we have too many series going on simultaneously, and, and I think that's a struggle that, that the people running Trek right now have, is that they've got actors who they have on the hook who played Star Trek characters. Uh, um, George O is a good example of that, of a, a character who they have the actor who plays her on the hook, you know, with, in, in a contractual relationship, and they want to do a, a show around that character because they're a famous actor, you know. But on the flip side, it's like, we got five other series going on. Do we really need a sixth? Part of what and I was the, talking uh, about the, is, is already happening because yeah. what I fear... Well, you also get fatigue. There's so much Star Trek, it's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know that I necessarily but buy that one. I don't I don't want the, the, the uh, Orville thing happening, which is we're going to take like three years to do the next season, and then we're going to postpone the, the release on Hulu and, and all that. I, I'm like... So but, much of that I lay on Seth. Yeah, well, they and the moving from the studio system to 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 Hulu was. Well, I, I mean, I kind of envision what would Joss Whedon have done with Firefly. In that same situation, if it were now instead of when that happened. happened, yeah, no, would, I would he do a Hulu thing? I think he would. would have. Oh, I think he would have too. But if he was able to retain, that, that's a hard one because yeah. you, you talk about a, a good ensemble cast. And now and, they're talking about rebooting that, too. Yeah. And I don't know. I, How, who are you going to find to replace Nathan Fillion? I mean, Mal Reynolds, the epitome of that character, is just, it, it is so much Nathan Fillion of himself, you know? And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still see Malcolm Reynolds in The Rookie. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. And I'm watching that show. I'm like, and he's done years of Castle in between. Uh, yeah, no, I. I that's going to be a tough one. I, I, I don't know. Getting back to the Trek thing and the the diluting the brand, we've already kind of seen that because now there are characters that are just like. They, they didn't get the development that they should, should have. have. You're, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely and that's right. on every show. Yeah. All of them have characters that are like that. Yeah. Although none is worse than Discovery. Because, okay. you know, in reality, if you look... So let's, let's go down the show. So, well, Picard, there's six main characters. I could do without Jurati, and I could do without Elnor. I... I think it'd be. You could make an argument for Jurati. I agree. You could do without Elnor. I could do if you Elnor. removed him from the show, it would not it would fun- not impact the show one bit. No, it would not functionally change. So lower decks. Tendi and Rutherford are not getting the same billing as, as 
the other two lower deck characters. Boimler and, yeah. and Mariner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Um, part of that is star power. Agreed. You know, Jack Quaid and, and uh, who's the woman who plays? Uh, I, I, I can't think of her name. I can see her face. Tawny Newsom. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're much more well-known than, than, you know, Tendy and Rutherford's voice actors. Um, and the entire bridge crew. Well, the entire bridge crew doesn't matter. Granted, they're, the show's called Lower Decks. But we've cared more about... We care more about the, the, the captain, the first officer, and, and the rest of the senior officers than we do Rutherford and Tendi. Yeah. 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 And then, um, well, that show is a, is a good show, even though the recurring characters... But they develop the recurring characters fairly well. You know, and, and there, there's a lot of star power in the recurring characters. Which, for a show like Lower Decks, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Um, Prodigy. Uh, I, I struggle with that show's characters, not the premise of the show. Yeah. So I really don't like any of them, to oh, be honest. I like Zero. I like the. Uh, <laughs> I like the Medusa. I do like the Medusa, <laughs> um, and I. You could you could you could lose the 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 the, Uzi the blob yeah blob character that has no dialogue yeah. I have no idea why that thing is even there. Um, the Tellerite could go. You would never miss him. Correct. And the uh, rock creature. And I don't like the, the... I don't like the chick. I do like the chick. I don't like the, the and, other and I, guy. And I cannot stand Dal or yeah, Del Dal. or whatever the hell his name is. Dal. Can't stand him. And I don't like the I don't like the villain. Yeah. Well, I don't care about if you like the villain because the villain's not supposed to be likable. I don't like the, I don't like him as a villain unless uh, you're Darth Vader. But he, he, Darth Vader's kind of likable in the first movie. And Tarkin. Yeah, and Tarkin. Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Palpatine to a certain degree. But are they really the villains? Well, what and, I, and there's that. It's <laughs> um, the Rebel Alliance. The real villains, you know. We've had that argument. We, yeah, we need to do an episode on that at some point. <laughs> um, no, I. I I like the show. I just yeah. there isn't anybody I really care about. I watch it because that's what's on. I I don't like the way they split the season up. Well, I, I think that's stupid. I agree. Um, having two splits in the season does not make sense to me. Frankly, they should have they should have run all of Prodigy. And discovery simultaneously, and you know, as opposed to run discovery or run prodigy till discovery comes out, have prodigy have a break, and then when discovery has a break over the holidays or the end of the holidays, then have have prodigy run the next part of the season, and then we're going to have strange new worlds and lower decks, and then they're going to start running the rest of the first season of prodigy in the fall. I, I don't get that. 
Unless there's a production snag that justifies that, in which case, wasn't ready for prime time. Shouldn't have. Yeah. Shouldn't have aired it at all. I I mean I like Prodigy and I don't like the villain, but that's because I think the villain is intentionally meant to be. Well, it's a kids show. Yeah, and it's a kids show. Start with that. I. Um, it's supposed to be a kids show. But I, I really like the Zero character. I do like the Zero character. And uh, I, and I like the the girl. And, and part of the reason I like the and I, I wish I could remember her name because it doesn't. But it doesn't really matter in those characters. Um. I like her because of the conf- she's conflicted and the fact that they're they the way they. But I don't need that in Star Trek. I need my heroes to be heroes and know they're heroes. Well, the problem is, is she's not a hero. But yet. it's not a Star Trek show. Yeah. Uh, again. Well, it's not just a call it Prodigy, Prodigy. and drop it's a, Trek out of it. Yeah, it's a, it's it. in the Star Trek universe, but it is not a Star Trek show. You're right. Star Trek shows the ones that say should say Star Trek in front of them, yes. should involve Starfleet with yes. Starfleet characters. Yes, and Hollow Janeway does not count. Nope. Uh, um, but the real Janeway was on that show. Well, <laughs> so you like the Janeway character? <laughs> you know, when when you talk about Voyager, although I didn't dislike Janeway, she was not my. favorite favorite character on that show you know uh, my, my favorite characters were Paris and Kim and Tuvok to a large degree um, I could have done without Neelix and Kess I understood the Neelix character and what he the purpose he served in the show which they would have had to find something else to do that purpose so agreed um, the Kess character was superfluous and and I they I think they quickly realized they didn't need her you know, well, and and Jennifer Lee and the actor actress went was crazy. A flake. Yeah, yeah I, but then they make the same mistake, although with better results, bringing seven in. Yes. At which point they really didn't need, need Neelix. Yeah. And but there are a lot of people who liked the Neelix character. Oh. Of you course. Know, it, it, un, unlike unlike the Discovery crew, I can find people who go, well, Neelix is one of my favorite characters. You know? Right. Then again, he was played by a, a legitimate actor, too. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I mean, who's heard of any of these? Hell, I, I never heard of Sonequa Martin-Green before her casting well, as Burnham. Well, I, I knew her in, in The Walking Dead. And... Uh, <clears throat> In a way, I was really disappointed when they killed her character and made her turn zombie in The Walking Dead. I knew what was happening because I was following the trades that, oh, she's going over to Discovery, so she's got to get out of her Walking Dead contract. (laughs) You know, so they killed her character off. Um, But her character was a good character in The Walking Dead, you know. And uh, it, it, that's another series that I do like. I I did not. I'm not a zombie guy, you know. You're not. Yeah, I love zombie movies. But uh, another friend of ours loved it, and he goes, "You need to watch it." And so I started watching The Walking Dead, and then I kind of got hooked because um, I remember reading the the graphic novels. I own them. They're bagged in my comic book boxes. 
Um, and the show follows those graphic novels very and comic books very, very well. But I had kind of forgot since I had gotten those when I was so much younger that um, the show really wasn't about zombies. Zombies just represent something in the show. Right. And they kind of set up the scenarios or they're the reason to set up the scenarios of the, the things that all the real, the non zombie characters are doing. <clears throat> and so I, they did a good job and I still think they do a good job. They're kind of off the range now from where the comic books and, and graphic novels left off. Um, but there's only a few, well, not even a few. I think there's only two characters from the first season still in the show and one character there's an idea that i'd like to see star trek bring yes to the fold there's no reason to have if you're gonna have that many characters on discovery move them in move them out nobody cares yeah. make it be story driven there's no reason to have these characters uh, that that nobody cares about. Well, the about. way they've set up Discovery, the reality of it is, is the only characters that should be in every episode are Burnham and Saru. And you could even have one or the other not be in every episode, as long as one of the two were there. But there, there's just there's a whole bunch of just again continuity issues with with discovery starting with season three when they when they jump the shark you know i talk about orville is a good example when they went to this alternate timeline jump the shark thing i call that the jump the shark for them you know, <laughs> from happy days right all you people who are way too young to remember happy go, days go, on go TV. jump the shark you jump the learn shark. all yeah. about that um that was hulu's jump the shark moment because the next I don't think it was a full season, but was part of a season that's now leading into this next season that's taken two or three years to complete. Um, that uh, Discovery has a lot of that, where they jumped, you know, seven or 800 years in the future at the last episode of season two into season three. Um, it actually makes no sense that the whole crew of the Discovery would have all remained on the ship. They, it, either they would want the, since they don't ha didn't have a Starfleet Academy, they would want all these Academy-educated officers to be spread across the fleet to teach the Academy, you know, what they wanted to, they were teaching at the Academy, or vice versa, they would want these people to be spread across the fleet and all these other ships and on the on Starfleet headquarters to then be integrated into all the new technologies and maybe all the new procedures and plans and all this other stuff. They wouldn't want to keep them together as this insular group within Starfleet. I think initially they they went with that trope because they thought, oh, everybody loves all these characters. And then they realized that oh, that's really not the case. And so now you're starting to see some of them split off. Non, left, yeah. Bryce, Bryce, left. Tilly's left. Tilly yeah. is now gone. Um, I think you're going to start. But again, they need to narrow the number of characters down. And the reality of it is, in my personal opinion, because 
even when you talk about next gen, who are the characters you think of? Picard, Riker, Troy, Worf, Worf, Jordy, Jordy, Crusher. Six is a good number. You know, Kirk, Spock, Scotty, Ahura, Chekhov, and Sulu. Six. Picard. Picard, Gerardi, Rafi, Seven, Rios, Elnor. Six. That's the magic number. So when you go to Discovery, you have Burnham, Saru, Book, Stamets, Culber, the other doctor that I can't remember her name, Detmer, Awoshikan, Hendrix or Henderson or whatever her name is, uh, Christopher, Reese. I'm at 11 at this point. You know, and, and you could argue because you had Giorgio in there too for a, a long time and Lorca. Lorca. And I didn't even mention Tilly. You know, <laughs> we're talking like 15 characters. That's just too many to, one, to develop well enough that people congregate around them. But, you know, e even when we look at Deep Space Nine, Cisco, Kira, Dax, Worf, Bashir, Bashir, O'Brien, six, Voyager, Janeway, Tuvok, Chakotay, Torres, Paris, Kim, and the Doctor. So they had seven. You know, because I won't say that. Neely, she could argue, was a more of a recurring character, and even the Doctor, to a large degree, was a recurring character. Right, and seven. Yeah, but um... but you know the it, it's the the larger the cast, the harder it is to one include their characters in every episode, but to develop those characters so that people you know I like that character. There's just nothing endearing about a lot of these characters. The other thing is is that every <clears throat> one of those characters on those other shows. You know what their role was. Yes. I I mentioned it earlier. I have no idea what Stamets does other than run the magic mash mushrooms. I, yeah. I, I don't know what his role yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Cause it, it is confusing because you don't know if he's is he a science, science officer. or wearing science uniform, uniform. Or is he an engineer yeah. because he's an engineering. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get what his role well, is. Well, again, that's detail. It's important because... The more details that you flesh out, the easier it is to suspend your belief so that you can be immersed into the, uh, you know, the, the, the universe or the show. Right. And I, that, I, that, that's what's always been so powerful about Star Trek, you know. Even Star Wars, you know, the reality of it is, is Luke, Leah, Han, Chewbacca. Everybody else is window dressing. And even you love some of those characters, like Biggs Darklighter and Pork Jenkins. I mean, who wouldn't love a character named Pork? <laughs> Porkins. Uh, Jack Porkins, that's what it is. And, uh, but, you know, we know who they are, Grand Moff Tarkin. You like the, they develop the, the, uh, the villains well enough that you can identify with them, you know? The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it. Again, this is this is the show that has no identity. 
Yeah. No one knows what it is. The writers don't know. The showrunners don't know. The the actors don't know. The audience sure doesn't know. No one knows. Maybe no, the problem is is if it continues to go on this way, nobody but, will care. But it's about diversity. So that's all that matters. That's what the show's about. Yeah. That's why nobody cares. Yep. Well, there's that whole fatigue that goes along with that too. You know, you you watch TV shows to escape that kind of stuff. <laughs> you do. I I I, I watch <clears throat> TV to to avoid Stacey Abrams, not to watch her. Sure. Yeah. Yep. That's what I think the 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 big mistake of that was and I I think there will be a backlash. Oh, I I definitely think there will be a backlash. I definitely do. And anytime you see these guys all patting themselves on the back, oh, we we we've done such a great thing is typically the preamble to a huge backlash. Yep. I'm just waiting to see it. Well, I think we've beat that really really hard and I'm sure we will beat it again. Something about, uh, you know, the more trick there is, the more chance for us to uh, find flaws and Indeed. faults. So uh, let us know what you think. Send us some feedback to gizmosapiens at gmail.com, and we'll see you on the digital flip side. You've been listening to Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side. <laughs>